Hey, another great episode of Roundup is coming up next. If you like what you heard, please go online to redsearadio.org and donate, become a monthly sustaining member, and keep us on the air. Thank you and God bless. Good morning and welcome to Red Sea Roundup. Today I'm your host, Judy Como, and I want to assure you that I feel a whole lot better than I sound, and that's a good thing. I kind of got a little nasally crud, but thankfully that I did not get sick thus far. No, no flu in my household, and that's a good thing. Thanks be to God. Good morning, Thaddeus. Good morning, Judy. How great to have you here. I'm always great uh, when you are hosting Red Sea Roundup. Love working with you. I feel the same you. way. I mean, I love working with all of our show hosts. Of I don't want that to get out to anyone that I, it's, like look, Judy's my favorite or something. They need to just something. accept that I'm your favorite. It's fine. <laughs> There's, you know... There's our lot in life. Yeah, but no, it's great to have you here, and it feels like it's been a long time since I've seen you, but I just saw you last week at the board meeting. Right, but Red I think maybe meeting. the last show we recorded it. That's Was probably, that it? That's probably it. Perhaps yeah. so. Perhaps so. How you doing? I'm doing well. Um, Good. We have some uh, universal Catholic news to talk about right off the bat. Yeah. It's so exciting. I was excited to see that um, I caught this on, on Instagram when I was doing some posts to generate interest for our guests in the second half of the program. Who is doing a great job of that, too. Yeah, well, she uh, always does. Talking with Allison Sullivan. Mm-hmm. Um, she and her husband was scheduled to be a presenter at our family retreat in January, and uh, they the got flu sick. hit them. And so um, we've invited her on. She had a talk all prepared, mm-hmm. so come and do it live with us. Yeah. And so we're looking really forward local, to that. It's local celebrity? Be great. Local, local Catholic I celebrity. So. I think it's fair to say that. Yeah, um, it'll be my first meeting of her. But even just Ooh. our texting, we feel like we're friends already. Oh, that's exciting. So, yes, it is. So, uh, yeah. So she's on in the second half of the program. But uh, anyway, so I caught this on Instagram, which I do not frequent. Um, but apparently, you could just say I period do period not period for me. E W Tim was reporting that. Pope Francis said that Pope Paul VI will be a saint this year. He's going to be canonized. Thanks be to God. That's, that's, that's very, amazing. Very exciting. Yeah. I, um, um, you know, that's, I was, the, that's the author of, probably most famous for Humanae Vitae, right. the pro-life uh, encyclical. I was sharing with Thaddeus that uh, my great aunt went to Italy when I was young and uh, brought us back. So I still have a medal that was blessed by him. Wow. That all my cousins probably received, but I don't know if they still have theirs, but I do, mm-hmm. but I do. So do you, is it something that you, do you wear it? Do you keep it I in do a not. special place? It kind of is a little tornishy here and there. And, mm-hmm. and I wore it for a long, long time and it has like a beautiful Hail Mary blue backing that's kind of starting oh, to wear off. Yeah, so yeah. I just kind of, I have a, a St. Benedict cross that I carry in my truck and mm-hmm. As medals, you know, you get those holy things in the mail <laughs> and you hate to throw them away yeah. and you get, here's a rosary and here's a medal and you need to do that, you know, on and on and on. So I have a key ring that attaches to that St. Benedict's medal mm-hmm. 
and I add metals and things like that to it. You could probably do a whole show with you and Terry and some of your other partners in crime, just sit around and talk about sacramentals and how you, how you use them in your, well, your lives. It works. It's such a, you know, such an important part of our, our faith. Well, we're encouraged they give us to, something encouraged to, to hold to, on to, you know, something I'm physical. I'm a tactile learner yeah. and, uh, but you know, you're, we're encouraged to pray unceasingly. It seems so uh, unattainable, but it's not when you just have these little reminders here, there, and everywhere. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, um, I'm praying the novena to St. Michael the Archangel. Uh, just today is day two, and I'm going to close this segment, and we can pray the St. Michael prayer together. Okay. Since I have to out us because we didn't pray before the show started. Uh-oh. And we usually are pretty good at that. Have mercy on us. Yes. What is a novena? A novena. It sounds like a big, complicated thing, but it's it's really a very simple concept. It's very concept. simple. It's a, a prayer repetition of a prayer, usually a nine-day novena, but I've done a nine-hour novena before, and um, so St. Michael's Feast Day is coming up, and a lot of times you're uh, offered an opportunity to pray this prayer particular prayer for an intention. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I was on retreat with our St. Anthony High School confirmation students, and one of them chose St. Michael. Um, felt like she has bombarded with a lot of evil in her life, and that feels a kinship, which what an amazing opportunity to choose a saint that you feel a kinship with, yeah. unlike me, who just chose Veronica, because I had a friend named Veronica, and I saw her name on the <laughs> on the paper. I'll pick her. And now, what a gift to have the intercession of Saint Ma- Veronica in my life. Yeah, but, definitely. Uh, so I've been praying this novena for her. Okay. Her name is Juliet. So we, okay. Anyone listening want to pony on with my uh, prayer intention as we end the sub, uh, segment in a moment? We'll pray the. St. Michael prayer. Okay, sounds so, good. So the the last time that we were on together, you t- you interviewed Allison Tate with the diocese DCYC. So yeah. did y'all have DCYC? We How did certainly that go? did. So tell us a little bit about great. it. Uh, I saw Allison almost walking through the door. I saw her and we uh, talked about the interview and how much. Uh, and then we we the radio station have since met with the diocese and talked mm-hmm. about some wonderful opportunities that we're going to have to work together, but. Uh, DCYC was amazing. Anytime you can enter a room. Where was it? It's in Waco. Okay. Is it always in Waco every year? It has been for quite a long time. Okay. Um, Anytime you're around 3,000 teens who are (laughs) rocking it, and then it's time for an evening prayer. Father Jonathan Rea, our vocation director of the diocese, led us an evening prayer. And gosh, it just, I can close my eyes and just see a room full of, of silence mm. and how you can go from one extreme to the Just other. Just going to say the same, uh, something similar, yeah. Yeah, feel that uh, universal prayer of the church. And so it was, it's a constant teaching in a lot of different uh, ways. Um, Saturday morning starts off with uh, Mass. So, you know, go to Mass with 3,000 people. Pretty amazing. Yeah. Pretty amazing. And have a, a keynote and breakout sessions. Uh, one of our Local uh, talk show people, Taylor Schroll, led led one of the breakout sessions. I went to that. He always has uh, 
wonderful interactive games yeah. <laughs> where he uh, the the game was to uh, he had a quote flashed up there and you had to say was this from the Bible or from a Star Wars movie? Oh jeez. <laughs> I made in the final three. Amazing. Hey, nice. And I know absolutely nothing about Star Wars. So <laughs> I had to discern that about, mm, could be a Bible quote. So anyways, I made the... Who won? Uh, a a, a teenager, of course. Okay. Yeah. So it was a lot of fun. It was amazing. Uh, our teen, St. Anthony's, uh, we had 15 teens uh, that went. And um, ever since then, one of us has said... Well, they said this at DCYC, or remember right. when we um, we had some free time and uh, one of our teens was on crutches and she had just had it with trying to get here, there, and everywhere. And another teen is a very picky eater. And so her mom said, I'm going to take them to In-N-Out Burger. So I was like, come on, jump in the truck, we'll go. And uh, when we were leaving, there was a, a homeless man sitting by the door and he had CVS packages all around him. And uh, I walked by and I was like, hi, how you doing? And he was crying and I need money. And, and I was like, well, I did have some money in my pocket and I, I don't like to just throw money and put a Band-Aid on. I've done mm-hmm. my responsibility. So his name was Adam. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I asked him to pray for me. Could you pray for me? And he said, yes. And the other adult with me came walking back, and so she said, does he need prayer? And I said, yeah. He, he, and so she said, well, let's pray with him. <laughs> Duh. Oh, wow. So she comes walking back, and she said, uh, well, today's your lucky day because this girl can pray like no other, and we're going to pray with you. So we laid hands on him, and I closed my eyes and started to pray. And when I opened my eyes, one of the teens had come back with us, laid hands on him, and we prayed. And when we got back in the truck— Another teen said, well, I guess we have a visual for that discipleship talk we just <laughs> we mm. just heard. So you just never know. Yeah. You just never know when God's going to put opportunity in front of you to, to be a part of the body of Christ. And, and so there <laughs> was also not so much the, uh, the talks or the scheduled parts mm. of the programming were not maybe the most impactful thing of that weekend. It was, it was because you were there in that yeah. that place. Yeah. So last week when we had the confirmation retreat, Deacon Mike was giving a talk and just really giving his testimony and his call, uh, little steps of reversion in his lifetime. And now yeah. he's a deacon. And when these two teens were both in my small group again and said, you know, that reminded me of when that homeless guy was in the In-N-Out Burger. So thanks be to God. Yeah. Did y'all get your in and out burger? Oh, yes. My first experience, actually. Oh, yeah? What'd you think of it? It's great. I mean, I don't eat a burger that I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I, like them I have a I have a good friend of mine who, uh, from New York, and he says, uh, the worst pizza <laughs> on the face of the earth is a 9.75 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> and so. now, you know, the... Keto, low carb diet people are trying to create a pizza that's not really pizza. And the oh, I don't know about that. Cauliflower crust. <laughs> mm, no thanks, I'll let, pass. Let's just say we'll call it cauliflower with sauce on it, but don't call it a pizza. pizza. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, um, 
in our uh, conversation this morning, I have failed to uh, address all of our listeners across Central Texas. Um, very happy to be a part of this growing family of Red Sea Catholic Radio. So we'd like to welcome our KEDC listeners here in Bryan College Station, listening on 88.5 FM, KYAR in Waco in Central Texas, that's 98.3 FM, and our listeners in Palestine listening on KINF 107.9. It's a growing family, that is. Yeah, it is. And I also also wanted to take a minute and um, for first I'll do our our BCS listeners run down. We've got a spot running on the radio about this, but we'll run down the... um, Pennant services that are available I in the area. I brought that in. I brought St. Anthony's uh, bulletin so I can see that. So, uh, Do you know that Terry's holding? No, I did not. We have a we have a call in this morning. Terry, are you with us? I am. Good. <laughs> We're just ratchet jawing yeah. away here over here. <laughs> I didn't know that uh, you had called in already. I text her and tell her that I'm listening. That's how I found out. How are you doing this morning? Well, I'm looking out the 12th floor at Texas Children with Gage, and the weather's horrible. But just my heart is filled with joy as I hear two of my favorite people on the radio today. The My app is not working in the hospital, so I haven't been able to listen to y'all. So what joy it gives me to join y'all this morning. Well, I'm glad that um, the Holy Spirit prompted me to say, hey, call in and let's catch up all of our listeners Um For those of you listening who may or may not remember last summer, uh, Terry Lipscomb and her family experienced um, a transplant of the kidney for her son, Gage, and uh, the donor was David, the father, her husband. And um, so catch us up with Gage uh, from then until now. Well, Gage has done remarkably well. We are um, eight months post-transplant with our first crises, which we think is remarkable. Um, For six months, Gage was on an antiviral medication, which kept a lot of things at bay because he is immune compromised. But because David had a um, positive test to a certain virus called the CMV virus, and has a long name that I'm not even going (laughs) to... Cytomegalovirus. Cytomegalovirus. That's it. I can't say it. I just can't say it. My medical technology experience. (laughs) And Gage was negative. So they kept him on a particular antiviral medication for six months. And about a month ago, Gage started running fever. And we brought him up to Texas Children's. And they kept him for three days thinking he might have had a UTI or a bladder infection. Thanks be to God, it was neither one of those. Amen. But they did not detect the CMV virus, was not tested, and they sent him home, where he continued to deteriorate and lose weight and not feel well at all. Had some really bad pain in his side, which come to find out it was pneumonia in his right lung that was causing the pain, sort of like a pleurisy pain Mm -hmm. from the nerve endings of that pneumonia, and he tested positive to the CMV virus, and and a very high detectable number in the millions, which is supposed to be in the hundreds, so admitted him, and um, 
took him about four days to be his same polite self that I'm enjoying today, <laughs> talking again, eating. And um, we got our first report this morning from his uh, antibiotic medication. The numbers are down to the 500s, which is wonderful. Yeah. 500,000 instead of a million. So I, uh, I kind of marveled right at, direction. We'll at your text. Week. Your text this morning talking about he gained so many grams, and it's like, well, oh, it's I like know. having Look a newborn. It's a weight gain. <laughs> it's like having a, a preemie or something. You know, that seems like the only time in your kid's life that you marvel at so many grams of weight gain. Um, I know, but it's such a step. They had continued to lose weight while we were here. So it was a huge turning point that he's eating and gaining weight. Yeah. Well, um, before, I think, before the diagnosis, uh, you and I were talking, and uh, you made mention that uh, your Lent is turning out a little bit differently than you were planning it. And um, I wonder what your thoughts are on that now. As <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we, we all go into Lent with these certain ideas of what we need to work on during Lent. Mm-hmm. And um, Gage was admitted, um, let's see. It's a week ago yesterday, and yes, David was, was still off from his back surgery, so I, I was at home on Ash Wednesday. They were here. Actually, I got to come up Ash Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I traded places with David on Ash Wednesday, and Gage got um, ashes with one of the ministers here. I mean, they're just beautiful over here. They bring us Holy Communion. Um, so I'm thinking the things that I want to do for Lent are not available to me as I had planned. And the first night I had a terrible night. The bed is terrible. The pill is terrible. And I'm like, okay, God, so uh, am I going to just offer up this hard bed, you know, faint sleep on the floor. They had rock pillows and I was just a mess the next day with no sleep. So I I called my spiritual director and said, Hey, you think that's what God's calling me to do? (laughs) And she said, of course not. You have to be in um, good rested to be able to take care of your son. So that's been very interesting to discern uh, what God really wants me to do. And actually, I'm not a sitter. I'm a doer. And that's probably going to be my biggest sacrifice during Lent, Mm -hmm. giving me lots of time to read and pray. And actually, I'm going to go to Mass at noon in the same chapel that you attended the day oh of my transplant gosh, that was and so were amazing. able to bring Holy Communion to all of us here on the third floor. So I will be doing that at noon today. And Father Michael Sullivan and some of Gage's friends came up Sunday to visit Gage. And Gage was still feeling pretty puny. Uh, he went downstairs in a wheelchair. And we had, we had to leave the floor. We're kind of on a um, flu lockdown mm. and they couldn't come up here so since it was Sunday and no one's on the third floor at the food court we kind of snuck Gage out in the wheelchair and, and um, they hung out a couple of hours we played a game and Gage walked back upstairs with yeah. a beautiful smile on his face and these I told these kids I said y'all have performed a corporal work of mercy y'all visited the sick and it was a total transformation in Gage's demeanor Oh, you um, sent me physically. the pictures. It was amazing to the was before and after picture of his face. And uh, I had been in my prayer chair that morning waiting to hear from you. And I'm like, well, you know, Terry's over there and um, so I'm going to cook this and cook that and bring it 
so what they'll have some breakfast and all of this stuff and when you said the corporal <laughs> works of mercy so um well terry know that uh you're going to constantly be in our prayers and i hope our listeners uh can unite with us together i don't know if you heard the part but um i'm praying a novena to saint michael the archangel today is day two uh, one of my confirmation teams. I did teams. hear you say that. I uh, love that. So uh, we're going to unite in prayer as we go to break. And uh, I love you. Just please I'll... also remember all the children here who are not going to go home. And I know when Father Michael was here, we talked about that, how everyone's cross is different. And I know this is the cross that God has given us. But the crosses that we witness here are just so heavy. And if that is what I can do while I'm here for the next week is just pray and hopefully smile and um, just reach out to these people on our floor if I, if I get the chance. Yes, and I know you will. Um, it's always a very humbling uh, experience just to be there. I've been with y'all and uh, my other friends who've been sick and look out. You're on the 12th floor, I think you said, and you can probably see the Methodist Hospital and uh, the St. Luke's and MD Anderson and just know the uh, day in and day out of what you're experiencing is. So um, let's unite in prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And the Holy Spirit. St. Michael, Michael, the the Archangel, Archangel, defend us in battle. battle. Be Be our protection protection against against the wickedness and snares of the devil. devil. May May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Amen. All right, girl. Thank you, Judy. God bless you. So good to hear your voice, Thaddeus. Miss you. Thank you, Terry. You're in our prayers. We're proud of Gage. Stick with us, listeners. Allison Sullivan on the break. to Red Sea Roundup. Uh, as I said earlier, my guest is Allison Sullivan. You helped renew my enthusiasm Yay. for our music. Uh, sometimes <laughs> it's kind of like in the back of my head. She yeah. starts her juking thing. I'm like, do a little know, wiggle. Yeah. It is a good song. <laughs> it is good music. Um, well, Allison, welcome. This, Thank you. We've been texting a little bit yes. about this interview. And uh, we have a lot of mutual friends. Mm-hmm. And so perhaps... I feel like I'm your friend already. Indeed. That's awesome. <laughs> it's a done well, deal. Welcome. How are you doing this morning? <laughs> Thank you so good. Really awesome. glad to be here. Awesome. Well, the idea for this program kind of came from Thaddeus. Got to give you a little Yes. Thanks, shout Judy. Out. Just a little bit. Just a shout out. <laughs> it's just because you got struck down with that flu bug <laughs> in Along with the rest January. of the country, right? Yes. That was intense. You know, you were. we were excited to have you at the family retreat, and I, I know you were wanting to be there too and I then so excited just to be the there. last minute yeah. you and five other families got oh, felled with kidding. that yeah. I didn't yeah. know I was in good company yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it was terrible and it was such a 
perfect, you know, time of the year to get together and purposefully mm-hmm. pray with our families. And so it was a real bummer to miss it. I was Absolutely. I was frustrated. Yeah. So for our listeners who may not have heard, in January, we had our uh, Red Sea Apostolate sponsored our second annual family retreat. Which we and could not do without St. Anthony's Catholic Absolutely. Church and Brian. Shout out. Uh, they hosted very, us. Very generous. Great campus to, to mm-hmm. have it. And... Uh, so we're already planning and praying for the next yeah. retreat when that would be. You know, I felt really passionately about the theme, too. The theme was about presence. And the Lord's really been doing a number with me using that word. Um, I feel like I've spent a lot of time like living over God, under God, for God. But living with God mm-hmm. has been has really created a sweet shift in my soul. And and so I, it's it's really regarding that idea of presence, yeah. being present with Plus, God. Plus, you know, we had... We're, We've been kind of jockeying with when is the best time to have it, and we had just experienced Christmas when mm-hmm. presence <laughs> takes on a different meaning yeah. word, and so right. uh, that's how all that theme came about. So um, we thought, you know, they were going to say something in January, right. so let's. <laughs> how about we say something here yes, today? Yes, we did have uh, a plan. We did have something prepared. Yeah, so uh, tell our listeners who you are, yes. a, a little bit about yourself and your family yes. and uh, all of that. So I'm Allison Sullivan, and my husband and I moved here about six years ago, and we absolutely love it here. It's a wonderful place to raise a family. My husband's a physician in town, and I kind of grab any ministry opportunity I can. I've written a book, and I host a podcast, and just love women and women's ministry events and and things like that. We have uh, five kids. Uh, We just brought home our fifth from China about four months ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we're, yeah, it's great. It's great. We're we're happy and transitioning well, and, um, you know, it's busy because my oldest, I have five kids, like I mentioned, and the oldest is eight and youngest is three. Oh, so wow. do the math. I think my, <laughs> my family experience was the same. Uh-huh. I'm one of five, same, about the same time span. It's one, it's really, you know, there's a lot of opinions on this, I'm sure, but they're best friends and worst enemies all in the Absolutely. same five minutes, and it's great. Yeah. <laughs> and teams. Yes, you know, you yes. never get the same uh, dynamic. You know, it's like, right, I'll right. take him, but if I get him, I got to have her. <laughs> kind of a... Well, it's funny. Our first two were just these very docile creatures. And so Seth and I thought we were so great at parenting. And then, you know, our next two, like, fight like cats and dogs. I mean, they're total oil and water, and we're refereeing constantly. So mm-hmm. they just pop out with so much of who they're already going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, so much of their personality is already in place. And how long have y'all been married? 12 years. And what brought y'all to Bryan and College Bryan College Station? Well, I, I was just saying this outside to Dennis. We we had a conversation and it went like this verbatim. We knew that we wanted to be in Texas. Houston, ugh. Dallas, <laughs> no way. Austin, expensive. I heard Bryan College Station was a great place to raise a family. Whoop. That's it. Like that was literally our conversation. And and there was not a job we were moving for. My family was not here. I'm from Texas. He's from Iowa. So anyways, here we are. And we love it. You know, love to it, go it. back to the family retreat for a second, uh, Greg and Julie Alexander, who came in, yes, they must have said half a dozen times in the course of that retreat, just what a special place it they really, felt like Bryan College Station this is. is. A little, no no offense to our Waco and Palestine no, listeners. None. But we're just having somebody who lives here talking about how they love the place where they live. And we want you to love where you live, too. That's That's, right. that's all we're saying. <laughs> You're this so is a politically little, correct. <laughs> that was <laughs> diplomatic. Yeah. No, this is a little garden of a town. It yeah. really is. Um. Well, that's awesome. So uh, you, you said you have a podcast. And, I do. Um, it's so much fun. Just get together with women and 
kind of tell the details of our lives and try to make them meaningful. Do you have a home studio? Do you go somewhere to do it? or My closet. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So exciting. I just recently got my, a microphone, so it's, it's getting more and more important for a more podcast. Yes, my best friend has legit. recorded a lot of music in her closet. Yeah. And, uh, yeah uh, it's cool. Yeah. It's amazing what you can do with... Isn't it? You know, the technology that's at our, our Well, especially me. Today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because I'm really not the most technologically advanced. I'm not at what you would call an early adopter. Uh, yeah. Oh, I wouldn't so. even use those two words in the same sentence well, myself. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Maybe I'm in good company here, too. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, no. But I do. I don't. I was telling Julie, Judy on the um, first part of the show that I don't really use social media that much. Mm-hmm. But when I when I do have a chance to check out what you put up on Instagram, for instance, mm-hmm. um, I'm always impressed with how much you can pack into such a short amount of of text. You know, you don't yeah. you can't just write and write and write on on Instagram. It's not like Twitter, but right. there's still some limitations, and you still you do such a good job of of getting out some real meaningful observations thank about you. your life as a mother. And yeah, thank you. Well, to be honest, I, that's why I'm still on Facebook is because Instagram doesn't let me talk long enough. (laughs) 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 I need more characters. (laughs) uh, But I'll stop jumping in. Our our youth group uses group me as a way of, uh, Uh and I kind of challenged myself to post the gospel of the day Mm. on their group me. So at least they've had the opportunity to read it, whether they do or not. And I think two days ago, it was too long. Wouldn't let me do it. I was like. See? Now what do I do? Yeah. Go to Facebook. Well, <laughs> I just put Matthew whatever and said, look it up. But, yeah. Well, uh, and then there's that. There you we go. can all just get back into <clears throat> our Bibles, put our noses right back in them. <laughs> I, like you say, I don't, I don't do Twitter. I don't do Instagram. I'm a, I want to read my Bible. Mm-hmm. I want to turn the page. I mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like to feel it. Yeah. And I, I don't do books online for I, that reason. Mm-hmm. I want to turn a page. I kind of like to put little parentheses in my Bible yes. and maybe someday while well, I've read True. when the I parentheses color. meet each other. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I read. <laughs> so, um, gosh, laughter is great, isn't it? I, you are so much fun. Well, thank I you. Just, we, I'm we, around me all the time, so I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to be friends in real life, too. Let, okay, let's, let's take this that. outside the studio. Let's do that. <laughs> let's do that. Well, uh, I know that you're a convert. To the Catholic am, faith, yes. and uh, I think that when we tell our story, it makes it makes it real. Right. When someone wants to look at you in the eye and right. say, "I believe in this for yeah. this reason," that's what discipleship, right. intentional discipleship. I'm, I'm is convinced all about. that conversion happens when someone gives a darn about you. You know, so yeah. so this connection, the way that we're connected to others is so important. And so sharing story, it's just a way to remember that we all belong to each other. But yes, you're right. I'm a convert. And so our topic at the family treat, retreat was talking about the Eucharist and, um, and how the, the Eucharist really prepares us for our mission. And so um, the Eucharist didn't mean anything to me. Uh, before I was in my young adulthood, I was living out my faith. Um, with these very broad strokes. And um, the older I got, the more my theology really kind of agreed with me. <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, and then I met my husband, and he was Catholic. And that was when God decided to get all up in my business mm. in new and inventive ways. And so I decided that I, I knew that it was a special relationship. And so I decided to, to get into RCIA. And I had no—I I was there to learn. 
I was not there to commit. And so I, while studying, just found some truths that would not let me go. Mm -hmm. And I entered into the church 12 years ago. And when people ask me why I converted, I have a, a short answer and a long answer. And the short answer is because it's the church that Jesus started period, the end. Yeah. And the long answer is about the Eucharist. And so, um, can I tell you about how, I would why love that to, uh, was meaningful I want to, to remind our <laughs> listeners that I'm talking to Allison Sullivan this morning. And if, um, we are a live show today and you'd be welcome to call in at, uh, eight, five love red sea. That's eight, five, five, six, eight, three, seven, three, three, two. And, uh, Allison spoke of RCIA. And I think a lot of times you know, in August, uh, churches start talking about RCIA and think that everybody knows what it is, mm -hmm. and perhaps not. Uh, you know, I feel the same way about, okay, Stations of the Cross every Friday. What if you didn't have that devotion? Right. Do you know what it is? So let's talk real briefly about what RCIA yeah. is. Well, it was just an opportunity for me to, well, and really my husband, because he could answer approximately zero uh, of my questions regarding Catholicism as yeah. a cradle Catholic. And he's really <laughs> proud right now that you've added him. Well, well, now, yeah, now he's like leaps and bounds above me. But um, but anyways, at the time, it was just a period of learning together, mm -hmm. he and I. Um, but like I said, the long answer of my conversion really had to do um, with the Eucharist. And the more that I read, the more that I realized it was this mystical, magical, really kind of dark thing that fascinated me. and um, And it was bigger than my intellect. It was um, it was just a different form of worship than I had ever experienced, and I was so used to diagramming out sermons with my brain, mm -hmm. or singing out loud, um, you know, to worship and really tapping into my emotions with my heart. And there was something about these very comfortable and sensible ways to connect with the Lord. Those mm -hmm. were the only two ways that I knew to connect with the Lord. Which, by the way, I still love connecting right. with the Lord that way. But those things they made me feel like I was on this mountaintop. And I could, you know, kind of oversee this landscape of, of God's world. And, but the Eucharist did not make me feel that way. Mm -hmm. In fact, it made me feel very small. It made me feel um, very feeble. And there was something about that. It didn't touch my brain. It didn't touch my heart. It touched something in my spirit that had been really lying dormant. And so the more I sought to discover it and to try to wrap my head around it, which I still don't, it still mystifies me, the more I became fascinated by it. And then as I read, as I really dug into the word, I realized that the people of Jesus's time, they were having similar reactions mm -hmm. <laughs> that I was. You know, it was one year before the Last Supper, so during Passover, and Jesus gives this sermon, John 6, right? And it freaked people out. You know, he, he says, I'm the bread of life, which was vague enough and could be interpreted a, a jillion different ways. But then he goes on to say, this is my flesh, which I am giving for the life of the world. And in that language that he used, it was the same language that he used when he was talking about the cross and that sacrifice. And so really, we, we have to come to terms with that he used the same language. We obviously don't think that Christ hung on a cross metaphorically. This isn't a metaphor, but this is a very literal and real thing. Mm -hmm. um, and so I know that Catholics already knew that. But for me, reading this for the first time... Um, it was it was very impacting. And he he goes on in scripture to use the phrase, you know, he uses it six times, eat my flesh, you know, and um, and, and, and the word, the Greek word 
um, is very graphic. Yeah. It means to gnaw, gnaw. or to chew, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. to gnaw or to chew. And never is it used symbolically in ancient literature. And so, and then it gets even better. It gets even better because, <laughs> so then you go one year later and now it, now it's Passover and, and, but this time he's about to die and he's mm-hmm. with his disciples and he's celebrating. And don't you think that if he knew he was about to die and his words are going to be repeated for the rest of time, that he would have chosen them carefully. And he says it again. Mm-hmm. And, and so this just, and, and, and there was something about the timing of that that solidified the meaning for the disciples. I read this somewhere. This isn't my example, but somebody compared it to being at Thanksgiving and your uncle saying something really strange. And you kind of catch eyes with your cousin, like, that was weird, you know. <laughs> and then the next year at Thanksgiving, he says it again. So he must mean this is the point. Yeah. And so I just want to interject that this Catholic didn't get it mm. the way you were describing. You know, I mm. know Catholics know, knew this mm, already, mm, but, mm-hmm. you know, again, to reiterate, well, sometimes we go through the motions of things. And yeah, exactly. yes, I, you know, but when you hear it. And it does resonate with your spirit. Mm-hmm. She meant the magisterium knew this already. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm Catholic, so, uh, you know, but <laughs> Not when, when you hear it and it resonates with you that this is my body, blood, soul, and mm-hmm. divinity, did, mm-hmm. I, did I know that already? Right. Did what I does that, that really mean? Yeah. And then, um, the, you know, it was an intimate thing to to learn it with alongside my husband, too, sure. who technically already knew it, but it's worth revisiting. So over the years, you know, the Lord has just increased um, my desire for knowledge regarding it. And, and you see things that are, you know, crazy, like Bethlehem means house of bread. No, or Jesus was placed it. in a the food trough. I mean, come on. <laughs> you right, know? right. <laughs> yeah. But he didn't mean it. it he didn't mean really. No, it. no, no. No, but yes, <laughs> Do you think, was, that's too weird. Virgin birth, we're all fine all right, with. Resurrection, great. Wait, 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 wait. Physically present? Mm. Think not. <laughs> Do you think, it sounds like when you were coming into the church, you kind of, for the in terms of the Eucharist, you just were sort of um, ignorant? You didn't, it yeah. wasn't that you were anti. No. Do, do you think that that helped you be able to take those steps easier, that you, it was just yeah. sort of a, a nothing? Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I do. It, I, I, um, I did have a lot of opinions about the Catholic Church, but that wasn't sure. One of, of course, yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> it was like for sport, you know. <laughs> but no, I no, I didn't have any. Okay. It didn't mean anything. What was your faith background? Um, that you came from. I came to know the Lord through the prayers of my mom, and then deepened my faith. Um, with just high school ministry outreaches and then even further still at camps, you know, that was always, you know, retreats and camps were a powerful experience for me. Um, yeah, but I, you know, I, I grew up. And Seth is a cradle Catholic from Iowa. He's a cradle Catholic. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, I, um, it was, it was, it was a difficult transition to be honest because my, the churches that I had been in were so celebratory in this in this kind of raucous way. Yeah. And not anytime soon was, you know, Father Dan going to embarrass himself on stage with the skit, you know? And so <laughs> mm, <laughs> So no. there was a transition. <laughs> and, and it took me, to be honest, a, a long time to appreciate um the serenity mm-hmm. and the solemnity of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. Don't you do you kind of see what's so attractive about the other celebratory kind of a oh my protestant roots have not turned me loose yeah (laughs) no i'm i've you know went to a non-dom thing Uh uh and um you know 
I, I see how that can mm-hmm. a, be appealing to someone who's sure. down and out sure. and on their last whatever. And I think the, it's an important supplement. Um, oh, yeah. You know, I could go to mass and then go party exactly. any old time, right, uh, right. that kind of a thing. But yeah. for that soul to wander into saint anywhere mm-hmm. and um, feel a part of or an opportunity to meet Jesus, mm-hmm. it seems... That would be, that's a difficult concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're talking with Allison Sullivan this morning. She is the host of her podcast, Sinner Saint Sister, and she uh, Instagrams at Allison M. Sully, S-U-L-L-Y. Right. And she's talking about her love of the Eucharist. And a question I wanted to let you expound upon too, is you talked about how the Eucharist made you feel small mm-hmm. and that made my mind immediately jump to the meek shall inherit the earth. Mm -hmm. Christ says that one of the, a beatitude is being meek. And I think that's what the Eucharist is cultivating in in you. And it should cultivate. in. Sometimes the word meek makes you, I think, you know, uh, weak and Mm -hmm. vulnerable, which meek does, but you know, well, the poverty of spirit that we're called to, you know, I, I think that we have a tendency to stand on our corners and clang our symbols about mm-hmm. all the things we know for certain. And there's something about the Eucharist, it being so mystical, so magical, so over my head that really kind of, you know, I, I, I'm, I, can't, I can't claim to know anything for certain. All I know is that this is incredibly beautiful and incredibly generous and incredibly intimate. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, Megan Silas, whose brainchild is Red Sea Roundup, uh, the former host, was went through RCIA, which is uh, offered at all churches um, as an eight-year process, rite of Christian initiation, when she felt called to learn more about the Catholic faith and then came into the church and at St. Anthony's was giving the appeal to come to RCIA and be a part of it. And she talked about... At the Easter Vigil, it's very powerful. Mm. I'm up in the choir loft singing, mm. and I'm hanging on every word. She's mm. quite a great speaker. Mm. And she said, I just can't explain to you how I felt the first time I went from this and mm. crossed her arms over, mm. as we do when we are not receiving, to this mm. and put her hands out. Yeah. And it's like and that's the real all question. the times I've just not been in that moment exactly. to the to the level that we can. And I hope it's going to be bigger and better next time I receive. Right. Right. No, but that, but that, that's the crux of it, right? It's like, how do we celebrate this? How do we pass this on in a way, in an enthusiastic way to our children that keeps our church thriving and growing? And how do we keep reaching the lost with this amazing, amazing blessing, this amazing miracle? And how do we, how are we intimate with Christ the way that he desires um, because the facts are, <laughs> unfortunately, the facts are that there are 22 million ex-Catholics, right. which is big enough to, which is bigger than any denomination in our country. And we lose four members for every one member we gain. The good news is that we retain 70% of our members into adulthood, which is bigger than any other denomination. But regarding the bad news, what is it? that's getting in the way of this beautiful miracle, this intimacy, setting the world on fire, setting our hearts ablaze. Um, if If we're the church with this great fullness of truth, why don't the statistics support that? And in my 
humble opinion, I think that one of the reasons is this lack of remembering, like we were kind of talking about mm-hmm. earlier, you know, this miracle happened, this miracle is happening, but we are the ones that are called to remember. It's up to us to remember. And so I think there's this this lack of presence as we encounter and consume. And that can happen for me on a macro level of my life. You know, I start living off of, of a to-do list. I'm, I'm going to bed depleted by the wrong things. Mm-hmm. But then that can happen on this micro level too, like in the mass. I'm more concerned about how my toddler's behaving and that she's stuck under the pew meowing, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> and so we can, we can get distracted. We take our eyes off this miracle and it's up to us to remember. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, my husband, here's, this is kind of a a funny example, but, um, so if we have a wedding anniversary, okay. So, um, my husband knows the importance of that and it would make me feel saddish if when it came to our wedding anniversary, he kind of mentally documented the date or took note of the date or, or where it happened or whatever, And so if that was all he did, if he just kind of mentally went through the facts, I would not necessarily respond with, I I feel so loved right now. This is is so special. (laughs) (laughs) And so there's a layer of activity to remembering. We're not just stating the facts. He might might write me a note. Perhaps we would go on a date. But, But when we remember this covenantal promise, that's when we pursue and we cherish and we love. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that remembering is huge. Mm-hmm. Nice. I have actually, I have, um, <laughs> this has been powerful for me, but when I was eight years old, I had this near death experience. Has anyone ever had a near death experience? I, I might be being melodramatic, but at eight years old, I was certain I was going to die. My, um, my friend and I, we would cut through people's backyards so that we could play on the golf course. And as we would cut through this one yard in particular, there was this German shepherd and he oh. was he was chained up and we never taunted or teased him. I mean, he was huge, but we were never afraid of him either. And um, one day we were running back and I could tell by the sound of his bark that it was a different bark. Point is, he was chasing us like mm. this full four-legged German shepherd sprint and I cannot explain it. I had an out-of-body experience. I was certain, even at eight years old, that we had triggered this predatory response, and he was going to attack us. Mm-hmm. There was no doubt about it. So I, I stopped dead in my tracks. I turn around. I did not decide to do this. I turn around. I lock eyes with the dog. And at the bottom of my lungs, I yell out, sit. And if I'm lying, I'm dying. <laughs> the dog sat. Oh my. Wow. And so my, my friend and I were kind of inching away. And as we finally get to my yard, we collapse onto the grass and we cannot believe the miracle that we were just a part of. Mm-hmm. We, we couldn't. I mean, all we could say was, I cannot believe that just happened. And if you've ever had a near-death experience, there's something about the air that's a little easier to breathe. It's like there's a pep in your step. All of a sudden, the things that you were angry about seemed kind of yeah. silly. I had a new respect for my parents. I had a new appreciation for my friends. And And I don't know how long it lasted, but I know that it would have done me well to meditate on that miracle over and over and over again. But instead, it just turned into a story Mm -hmm. and I just told it around the lunch table. And, you know, I it was it it started out as this most unlikely, very dramatic, life changing drama that I just simply kind of got used to. 
And so I looked for what it might gain me or how I might use it instead of living, continuing to live in this deep, deep, deep appreciation for it. So my my point with all of that is that with an affectionate remembrance, like this real remembrance, where the Eucharist is Christ's sacrifice and offering, and when it's recalled and when it's reapplied and reapplied and reapplied, we can believe and we can embrace it again, and maybe we can come to the table more eagerly that way. Wow. Wow. That's a great, great analogy. You know, I've been talking to my circle of friends the last few weeks about this idea that I think, I think a lot of um, maybe why we, we have some of those statistics that you, that Mm -hmm. you cited too, Mm -hmm. um, is that the modern, the modern person just doesn't, want to believe in the sacraments. Yeah. We don't, we don't believe that they yeah. really do what we say that they do. We don't yeah. want to go beyond our minds, like yeah. you said, yeah. mm-hmm. and believe in them, trust in them, yeah. hope in them. And I think that that also gets a little bit of what you're, yeah. what you're yeah. talking well, about. It's outrageous, there. isn't it? <laughs> it's it, ludicrous, it really. <laughs> and we don't want to, well. we don't want to be outrageous and ludicrous. We want to be mm-hmm. in control, control. Mm-hmm. have a grip on things. Control and certainty are myths. Yeah. I mean, and, and the truth is, is that we hang our faith on something ludicrous because Christ is this giant contradiction in terms, right? I mean, if he was Christ, then he couldn't be crucified. And if he was crucified, then he couldn't be Christ. And yet here we are. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so our faith hangs on ludicrous. Well, we're supposed to be fools to the world. That's what St. Right. Paul and, said. You know, I've heard in, in a sermon, you know, if you had the cure of cancer, yes, you would be screaming at the top of your lungs yes. and every person you meet, do you know someone who has cancer? Come here. I've got the cure of for cancer. And right. we can, that seems so logical, but yeah. this beauty of the Eucharist and, you know, it's a mystery. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, last week uh, I was talking about being on retreat with the confirmation teens and we have a sweet little girl that's so such a deep thinker. And she said, you know, uh, I have friends who challenge me all the time. And she said, what if they're lying to you? Mm. What if it's not the bot? What if it's, what if, Yeah. and it's, uh, I can't say that that hasn't happened to me. Sure. You know, um, Change, making sure that the sanctuary light is burning at mm-hmm. this little chapel by my house and mm-hmm. go in there and it's burnt out. And I was just, oh my gosh, I feel like I let the Lord mm-hmm. down and I'm lighting this candle and putting the red cover on it. And I'm mm-hmm. like, that whisper of the evil one. Mm-hmm. What if it's for nothing? For what? Yeah. For what? Yeah. But I sure am the joyful. joy and the privilege <laughs> of, hey, you know what? If I'm not right, I'm in good company. And uh, I, there's this story about a priest who is asking his seminarians, prove it, prove it. And so, and I, I'm, I'm going to butcher the story. My husband tells it perfectly. But the punchline, I'll just get to that. <laughs> the punchline is, I've, I've felt him. I, and so, and so it really comes down to this, this person to person. It's a very intimate relationship. And so... All I know is that I've heard that still small voice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all I know is that I have felt accompanied throughout my life. And all I know is that when I'm struggling and, and I can kind of toss this big giant mess of a ball up to the sky and I, I, I feel heard. 
Mm-hmm. That's all there is to. And of course, there are times that that I don't feel heard, and an mm-hmm. enemy would love to convince you yeah. that it means you're out of favor, or even worse, that he's not listening. So, yeah. But the joy that I've, I, I would just answer that with joy. Yeah. I, I feel so much joy connecting with the Lord, talking about Him, reading. Yeah, I can't wait to see her this afternoon and mm. have this conversation with her again. Um, our, we had a priest who gave the teaching on the Eucharist to RCIA. And uh, being a convert from the Lutheran faith, and uh, it was very fascinating to hear it from his perspective, saying, Mm -hmm. I didn't get it, I didn't believe it. (laughs) And he ended his talk by saying, and if I could give you a little pill tonight that you would take, and tomorrow you would believe it, I would give it to you, but I can't. Mm -hmm. But what I will tell you is if you go in that adoration chapel, and you lay it out before the Mm -hmm. Lord and just say, Mm -hmm. I'm here. Yeah. Help me. Mm-hmm. He he will meet you where mm-hmm. you're at and he will inflame mm-hmm. that. You know, I love how you, I think, St. Catherine, you were, if we are who we are, then we would set the world ablaze. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Eh, well, and regarding that, that too, but, well, but regarding that, I, I think that a result of remembering well, mm-hmm. kind of returning to the cross again and again and again, I think the result of that is I, when I have an active remembrance as part of my faith life, I feel so passionately pursued. I'm so deeply loved by the Lord. And I have this tendency to to make God this best version of myself, which is, of course, ridiculous, but it's kind of all I can do. So when I start feeling tired of myself, I can easily convince myself that God's tired of me too. But with an active remembrance, and when I look at what I've been given and what he left, there is this Jesus didn't just love me because it's this noble thing to do, but instead there is something unique to me that made him deeply love me. And that's caused a, a big difference in my soul. And and he has given himself to me in, in this most intimate of ways. And so meditating on the Eucharist, it just solidifies that. And so now that it's so personal, that this is so intimate, I can take the love that he gave first with an act of remembrance. I can be so filled up by it. I can know how loved I am, and now I have this desire, this overflow to give every single thing I have back to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so now we can really love well. That's how we set this world ablaze, with this act of remembrance, love that he gave first, overflow, giving back. There are, you you know, when I think about giftedness. You know, it's easily to think, well, the Lord passed me by when he was kind of handing out giftedness. But what giftedness really is, I've learned, it's just these, this, these aspects of life that make me feel like I've come alive, like I have fully come alive. And when you offer those up to the Lord, um, you know, that, that's where that passion comes from that maybe we're lacking. Whew. You take my breath away. Mm. Judy. That was awesome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's so, so nice. Um, we are, as we predicted, this time was going to fly by. Um, I wanted to offer you a opportunity to let's say we're at the family retreat and you've given us this talk. Mm. I'm sure you probably had like a wrap up kind of. I'm kinda so glad you asked. And, uh, <laughs> That's well, why they paid me the big bucks. <laughs> yeah. How we yeah. church. Listen, church, how we set the world on fire is that we remember our miracles so intensely, so vividly that we cannot help but live in great thanksgiving of it. And so we offer up what we have. We love well in ways that are unique to us. You do not need to look like everybody else. And then we use our lives and our offerings are so passionately lived that they could never, ever be ignored. That's how we become the city on the hill. 
My goodness. Well, I cannot even thank you enough. Uh. For I'm being so happy here. to be here. And, this was uh, so fun. It was great. And I want to thank our listeners. I want to thank um, all of our different stations across Central Texas. And uh, today, let's live well and be blessed. Amen. Amen.